Well, for starters, I mean, I kind of, I didn't know that I was going to be going out there until maybe two days before. You know, I, I was up for it. You know, I wasn't, you know, this is what I've been preparing for since yeah. I've gotten here, so. It's just different. Being, being, it, being the guy, like the guy that's front line, you have to go out there and play. I mean, it's like, you just got to be ready to go. You know, you can't be slacking out there. You can't just... Yeah, have, have your mind right, you know, and that's what, you know, that was the biggest thing, you know, being a guy that, you know, that would rotate, rotate in and out, you know, throughout the game to your front line, go out there and play, you know, so. That old line's pretty big. Yeah, they're a big, yeah, they're a big dudes. <laughs> they're big, good they're dudes. They're big dudes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 17 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I am Cy Amundsen. Sitting across from me is Chris Corso. To the left of me, Jay Nelson. And we are in a much better mood this week. A 28-24 primetime win against the Cowboys. And it was good. It was everything we needed. It might not have been perfect, Chris. Right? It might not have been perfect. It's a win. A win's a win. It was everything I needed it to be. With all, with all the discussion in the last year and a half about this team and the things that they haven't been able to do in important spots, we checked some boxes. On the road, prime time, winning team, hostile environment, check, 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 check. Kirk, prime time win. Big prime time win for the Kirk daddy. Second of the year. Yeah, that's but this was the one. This this is and like I, I don't like being dramatic, but you know how when something costs five dollars and ninety nine cents, your stupid brain thinks it's better than six dollars. Like I know that the difference between six and four and seven and three is only a game, but with everything that happened in the NFL this week, with the Rams having a surprising loss to the Steelers, and with the Panthers losing in Green Bay, you found yourself in a situation where getting to seven and three and creating some legitimate separation. I know we have bigger goals. And the Saints losing to the Falcons. And the Saints, Saints losing to the Falcons. That, that that scary playoff picture that I think we talked about even last week, yep. we were able to elevate ourselves in a week where a lot of other teams took a step backward. So I, I want to start, Chris, with talking about the main complaint I heard. So I'm going to start addressing a negative and then we'll bounce into a bunch of the positives because I have a thought that I want you to hear. Great. Everybody went at how hard hard the the cornerbacks took it I mean this from a statistical standpoint not a good week for the cornerbacks Mike Hughes had a rough day Dak had an incredible day I mean we're talking career day for Dak Amari Cooper was open all over the place to the point where I saw a stat on the internet that there were there were five times that the Cowboys were like in third and ten or greater they were five for five for all these yards they had a really good day from that standpoint but Here's what I'm gonna. Here's here's my point. When we went down there, missing a Linval Joseph and missing a Trey Waynes, it felt to me like the game plan was: no matter how good Dak can play, no matter how well he can execute, Zeke is the way you still lose this football game. You let them get in front, like we talked about last week, and they grind it out. So we were not going to let Zeke beat us. We were not going to let him run the ball. We were not going to let them play action to him. And then we, in that situation. They're a division leader. You play how you can play. You understand you're going to put your young corners on an island, and they're going to get beat, and you hope it turns out. And guess what? It did. So to me, this wasn't some 
negative indication of the secondary's play. I mean, yeah, you wanted them to to be better in spots, and I'm sure they did, and the coaches would want them to be better in some spots. But to me, this was more about executing the plan of shutting down Zeke, knowing it's the best offensive line in the league. So to to do that, you know you're going to lose something on the other end, and if you come out with a win, that's that's what it is. And that's exactly what happened. Mike Hughes was actually thrown out at team high 17 times in the game. Like you said, Dallas was successful on third down, 9-for-13 in the game. It was the first game, actually, where the Dallas Cowboys did not have a rushing first down for the Cowboys all season. Isn't that so crazy? So that is what they did. They went there, and they stopped the one of the best running backs in the NFL without the big bear in the middle, Linval Joseph, which I think Mike Zimmer's main mindset was keeping everything in front of the Vikings defense, and they did that. Most of these third downs were 12-yard gain, 13-yard gain. The one exception was a beautiful pass from Dak Prescott to Randall Cobb, Cobb. which was just a magnificent touchdown. And you don't have Trey Waynes out there, so give Mike Hughes the benefit of the doubt. We're going to really look for this Vikings secondary to the depth and at that position is going to be what separates them from a good team to a great contending NFC team. Absolutely. And I, I think, to use a basketball analogy, you, you've heard that so many times. Like, if they hit 33s, like, that's the game where we, we they hit threes. Congratulations. You did it. Dak had a career day. He was, congratulations. I did not see him doing that. I'd, I'm yeah. not a Dak hater, but I didn't see him playing that well. So for him to, to do that, I, I, you hit it on the head. It was what it was. To stop one of the best running backs in the game, I think, was crucial. Yeah, and for me, the whole thing we talked about last week was talking about how they were the number one offense in the league in yardage. And you saw why. I mean, their whole thing is predicated on them being able to run the ball, but when they can't, Dak's like, okay, fine, I guess I'm, I'm taking this on myself and going yep. for it. And the one thing about it was there were multiple plays where defensively at the line, we were getting pressure on him, and he you know, slid out of the pocket. There was at least 10 points that they got that were supposed to be sacks on third down, and they converted him into you know a field goal and a touchdown. But defensively, the fact that we stopped Zeke to basically his lowest output period that he's ever had when he has more than 20 rushing plays in a game. He had 47 yards rushing and 63 total. Yep. Like To me, that whole thing of shutting him down and making them one-dimensional on offense – we said good luck and see if you can you know, make that happen against our defense. Absolutely. And uh, before we uh, detour into some of the really positive things from the game that I loved, I, that, I, what, Jason Garrett, who, you know, I, I don't have an opinion of him as a coach either way. I can't claim to have watched enough Cowboy football. Just because I get, like, there's these teams that I just have this, like, like, I'm not sitting around watching Saints games. Like, I just can't, like, I'll watch them if they're on, but I'm not taking, hey, this year I watched 13 Saints games. So I, I can't give, like, this definitive opinion on Jason Garrett that everybody else seems to give. But man, oh, man, when you are getting everything all day long, you had to have been surprised that second and two with a chance to win the game, he runs to Zeke, he runs to Zeke, and then he passes out in the flat to Zeke. When Amari Cooper, like Amari Cooper got everything he wanted all day long, and, and, and not just that, was making catches that other people don't make. He was Chris Cartering up and down the sideline for touchdowns and first downs. So I was, A, I was shocked 
at the play call. Like, I had that Viking pit in my... You've been a fan of this team for 35 years, and you give them the ball. It doesn't matter. I love Mike Zimmer. I love our defense. I love our... But it doesn't matter. We could have had... We could have had 29-year-old Brett Favre at quarterback, and Khalil Mack could have been playing every position on the defense when we gave the ball back on fourth down, and I'd have gone, oh, I'm nervous. So the fact that... He called those plays. That surprised me a lot, man. And what a what a to to put a signature moment on what has been a signature season. That diving stop for Kendricks yes. was awesome. Was I wanna, but you had to have been a little surprised that they called those plays in a row. I want to touch on that. Speaking of a few of the coaches around the building this week, they were um, pretty amazed that they decided to draw up that play on that mm-hmm. last on that last play and it was Eric Kendricks who they went at when it seemed like 10 to 12 yards was pretty much there for the Cowboys during the majority of the game yeah. and instead Eric Kendricks who entered the game with the most passes defensed for an NFL linebacker at 10 had his 11th in the biggest the spot game. in the biggest spot so that was awesome that was huge and i also think that you look at to to argue my my original point and push back on it and play the other side of it i will say this defense they uh, we talked about it last week they might give up some plays in between the 20s but when you get down there it, it, they make it a lot more difficult so they might have been seeing some things that were like this is our best shot but i was surprised by it one of the things that came up uh, zimmer actually addressed it because one of the media members asked him about if he was surprised about the plays that they got called and he kind of candidly put it out there and said every team's got tendencies so oh. apparently and you know apparently in their, i'm just saying apparently in, in their mind they had seen something that kind of made them think that this might be somewhat of a way that it would play out. But like you said, it was surprising to see that it went that way the entire game when you're going, you know, are we doing bend but don't break? Are we going to break or not? And, yeah. and obviously there were some big plays made to, to stop them. You know what wasn't surprising? Dalvin Cook. I love it. I, and, and here's the thing. I, just as much as we wanted to stop Zeke, I promise you they wanted to stop Dalvin, but they sure didn't, did they, Chris? Why don't you tell me some of the statistics, even though people have read them? Yeah, I have a hard take on Dalvin, and I think it's that he should be the number one in the MVP race. I mean, that is, I love Dalvin Cook so much, that is bonkers. Cook's 415 scrimmage yards set a franchise record and is the highest 10-game total in the NFL since DeMarco Murray's 1,514 in 2014. So that's just, I mean, this is the kind of year that this guy is having. And Adrian Peterson, when he won the MVP with the Vikings back in the day, all the stats through 10 games, Dalvin has surpassed. He surpassed touches. He surpassed total yards, touchdowns by three. Adrian had 55 first downs that year through 10 games, and Dalvin has 71. So he is just torching people. Him and Christian McCaffrey are the only two running backs in the NFL to have four 80-plus receiving yard games. So he is doing it through the air. He's doing it on the ground. He's just Every scrimmage yard possible, Dalvin Cook finds a way to find some green grass. Uh, yeah, I so God, I, I, this show should just be called "Sai Agrees and Disagrees with Chris." <laughs> what, he's such a monster, and to have a team geared up to stop you and have it's it's the old school Edger and James Marshall Fault game where you're like 90 yards on the ground, 80 through the air, and they can't stop him any which way. Uh, well, uh, in defense of that Adrian Peterson season. I will say, when he was MVP, he might be at the same point 
to this point in the season, but if you remember that AP season when he won MVP, those last five, six games yeah. of the year where he's like, hey, what if you put 11 people in the box and I just carried you like children into the end zone? <laughs> do you remember Do you remember in that play, in the, in the play into the playoff game where we were on about the 50-yard line, AP's got so many yards to go to 2,000, we're at a position where it's like, Every team in the last 20 years with this much time on the clock in this game situation passes. And they handed it off to Adrian Peterson, and he monstered it 40-whatever yards down the side. That season was bonkers. But I will say, we are getting to the point where you at least have to discuss him. And we'll, we'll, we can talk league MVPs later and maybe bring that conversation back. I, Russell Wilson, if you watched him on Monday night, it's hard, to, it's hard to top that. But I'll tell you, if a couple years ago you'd have told me this season we'd have a running back that was worth mentioning in the MVP Discuss, I mean, that would be, doesn't happen too often. I would have been absolutely thrilled. I remember being ecstatic on draft day when he was still sitting there and our pick was coming up. He was a beast at Florida State. And in this league, there's always the talk of speed kills. He was one of those guys. So in today's press conference, somebody asked Coach, because you know the topic of Delvin Cook got brought up and said, is there anything that surprised you about this guy as a coach that you didn't necessarily recognize when he first came in? He said two things. So the first one is the fact that he's got another gear even when you get into the fourth quarter and he can turn it on when you absolutely need it to happen. And the other part is is the tenacity that he's got. When he gets to the second and third level and he bulldogs a guy and just bulls over a safety to get an extra three yards on a play, you know that safety's going back to the line. He's got to think about, about to it. it. Going, all right, next time this guy's coming, he's. am I going to take it this way? Am I, 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 I going to make a thing? business decision? Absolutely. Yeah. The, you know, the other thing I really liked about this game, Chris, was the fact that, uh, and I think we talked about this last week, every win or loss had been, like every win had been pretty much wrapped up going into the third and fourth quarter. You're like, this is surely going to be a win. Yep. This was, It jumped out early, 14-0. They battle back. You take the halftime lead. You get another one coming out of halftime. They take an, It was back and forth. So to put that drive together uh, and, and to have Zimmer, it's it's got to be easy to go for fourth down there knowing you have the defense you have that close to the goal line. But I still thought that was a really gutsy call. It was a really smart call on the two-point conversion. And that's when we talked about what we were hoping for in this game, that's what I was hoping for. I wanted a win. But I wanted a win that we had to earn. I wanted a win that made everybody go. In December, when we're playing Green Bay and we're down three points with seven minutes to play, everybody goes, we can do this. Yep. We have done this. And it was a bully drive. We finished that drive with 10 straight running plays. We were pretty much jamming the ball down their throats to the point where it's a fourth down and we want to do it again. And we did it again. And then Kyle Rudolph comes in and takes advantage of his size on on the on the uh, two point conversion play and pretty much looks at the defensive back and says, "You're you're you're smaller than me." I'll put, like- that's that's putting it in good terms. So um, that drive to show that you can go 10 straight running plays and they can't stop you, that says a lot about the Vikings running game. Eight up six minutes and 59 seconds of the clock. The Vikings held the ball for 12 minutes and 12 seconds of the third quarter. And to bounce off the Rudolph point, to have him respond and grow his game, and he's been such a great just a great element in different aspects. He's blocking. He's doing things that that he maybe hasn't done before, and it turns out he's pretty damn good at them. And then it was so nice after that being his role so far this year to see him be 
not just to get the touchdowns, but to be, see him get balls in crucial moments and execute. He gets a one-handed catch. Yep. He gets another TD. We need the two-point conversion. He gets that. And he caught a crucial crucial third down that Kirk found him as his little safety release there in the middle of the field. And it's funny because Kirk on his under center show with Kirk Cousins said Kyle Rudolph has the best hands that he's ever seen out of any player he's ever played with. And I looked at him sitting over here and I was just like, that might be a little... Uh, we all love Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, like, but, like, then, <laughs> might, but then, Is Kyle your dad? What's <laughs> happening? Why are you sucking up to him so, so much? So that happened and then a, a game later he's Freaking catching the ball with his pinkies in the corner of the end zone on primetime TV, and it's all he, over the place. He, so he, I'm, he, I gotta say, sometimes Kirk he sucks up a little bit. He's my guy, but I mean, he came through. He might, he good, might not be wrong. He, the he funny might thing be of, onto something. The funny thing about Rudolph, and the funny thing about about Viking fans is, we hear that, and when it comes to catching the ball, we always think, "Hey, do you remember Chris Carter and Randy? He didn't. Kirk didn't play with them, but that's all time hands. But I yeah. will say, I bet if somebody went through and put all of Kyle's crazy catches together, you 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 go. Oh, this is a pretty great mixtape of of snags. The last thing I want to talk about before we jump into some other things here is the the defense steps up big. They do get the ball back one more time, and there's nothing there's nothing that feels wor- like watching a hail mary is just awful. You know, because your brain goes, this should not work. And then if it does work, you know you're just going to crumble onto the floor. But, I, you know, to, to have J. Ron Curse go up to the level he did and get the ball where he got it was big. Not not giving it the chance to – I always get nervous when guys try to catch that. You know, you want to see him smash it to the ground. That's what Ben Lieber said after the game. But there, I will say there were – very rarely in a Hail Mary, usually there's five, six guys. It felt like there were 30 people in that end zone. So I, I think you could have batted that one down. It might have bounced right off somebody's helmet. So I, I took a pretty big uh, pretty big sigh of relief when we got that one. Absolutely. It was good to see the basketball player of a safety that we have, Jaron Curse, who's probably the biggest safety I've ever seen. He's a monster. Use that in that moment for Coach Zimmer to put him in the game in that moment. We know that he is a player that you can really utilize when there's a big tight end that's cutting across the field. You can put him in that nickel spot. You can kind of play him as a strong side linebacker, and he can be the guy who comes in at the end of the game and stops a Hail Mary from happening, and that's exactly what he did on this play. It was everything we needed it to be. Huge win for the Vikings. We could probably talk about it for two hours, but we got a lot of other great stuff we're going to get to on the show here. We're going to play a little game called There Can Be Only One. We're going to talk to Craig Peters, who has a great piece up on Vikings.com right now about Dan Bailey, and then he's going to help us break down the Bronco game. But before that, we have big boy Jaleel Johnson about to take a seat in the studio, uh, and we're going to talk to him. Sitting next to me in studio, number 94, Jaleel Johnson, the big man, picking up some big slack lately. Linval's been out, and you guys had one hell of a task last week in, uh, in dealing with a really good running back in Zeke. W- what was it like knowing in one week not only you were going to step up and assume a bigger role, but also face one of the best to do it in the league? Well, for starters, I mean, I kind of I didn't know that I was going to be going out there until – maybe two days before. Wow. Yeah, so I had to quickly get my mind right. I'm like, oh, man. But, you know, I, I was up for it. You know, I wasn't 
you know, this is what I've been preparing for yeah. since I've gotten here. So, you well, know. and you've been in big moments. I mean, throughout yeah. your college career and stuff. Yeah. So you just got to zone in, basically. Yeah, but this is a much bigger stage, though. Yeah, you know, it's Sunday the, night football what's in diff- Dallas. What's the difference between starting and being that three technique role that Mike Zimmer he values that position so much. It's just different being being it being the guy like the guy that's front line. You have to go out there and play. I mean, it's like. You just got to be ready to go. You know, yeah. you can't be slacking out there. You can't just, you know, you have have your mind right. You know, and that's what. And that was the biggest thing. You know, being a guy that, you know, that would rotate rotate in and out. You know, throughout the game, to your front line, go out there and, and play. You know, so that old line's pretty big. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, they're big dudes. <laughs> they're big. Good they're dudes. big dudes. <laughs> it always it kind of reminds me of, uh, and somebody will get mad at me for this metaphor, but you know, like old timey war. Like in the, like the, the, like back when people fought like England and stuff, and it was just guys standing in a line getting shot. Yeah. I always, I always feel like that, t- that three technique, that spot that Limbaugh played, that place you were playing, like you just have to go in there and yeah. just run into trouble. Like here come the bullets, and you just got to take them. You're the first line. You just got to take them. Yeah, you just got to take them. You know, you just got to take them. And, you know, I, I enjoy that, though. I'm yeah. the kind of guy where, you know, I enjoy I enjoy taking the shots, but I enjoy giving them out, too. Obviously, the extreme emphasis was on Zeke. Was that, uh, was that something that uh, – was it any different than anything you've dealt with in the last few years playing good running backs, knowing not only that he's good, but like you said, those dudes who block for him yeah. are really good. And, and then you guys came through. Yeah, I mean, again, playing a guy like Ezekiel Elliott who, you know, who runs for – a hundred plus yards a game it's you know behind this massive old line you know it's it was definitely I, i'm not gonna lie to you going into the game i was like oh man <laughs> this is gonna it's gonna be a day it's gonna be a day but you know i went in every we all went in there and we were locked in you know and by the you know by the second second series i was like this is okay. All right, it's all right. This like, is, yeah, let's let's do it. It's kind of it. yeah. You kind of got over a little bit of that initial. It's that initial fear. Mm-hmm. Which, what, a, what about um, Andre Patterson and, and Robert Rodriguez, the two D line coaches? We all praise them for what they do. Obviously, Andre's been around forever, but you guys in the huddle at the beginning of every game, especially on the road, and we see Andre in the middle throwing uh-huh. up his fists, and and you guys, the the, the rushman, you, you guys recall, what is it like to get hyped up from that guy oh, before man. the game? We we do this thing before the game. We do our, you know, we do our little dance, you know, whatever, and that just gets us going because it's like, you know, you see Coach Dre out there in the middle just, just you know, just jigging, and just grooving. It's like, okay, like. I've had the boom mic like around you guys, and like I, my heart's like pounding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You know, Coach Jay is definitely the guy. He's he's this guy. He just gets us going. You know, he gives us a speech every Saturday before we go out for a walkthrough, and that just gets us going. You know, it just you can feel it. You can just feel it in your bones. Like, all right, I'm ready to go out and play. Yeah. So it's such a strong group of personalities on the on the D line, mm-hmm. especially when you got a leader in uh, in Everson who's not just your leader, but he seems to be the team's leader, mm-hmm. kind of emotionally. How do you fit in? What's are are you more of a quiet guy? Are you uh yeah, I'm more do you of a, change on the field? Yeah, I'm more off the field. I'm more of a quiet guy. I'm to myself. You know, I got my headphones in. I don't really speak. But on the field, I'm a whole different animal. See, this is this is what I'm I wanted a- to. Say. Here's what I wanted to say because I was I was watching. I was that is a big role you stepped into this last weekend. So I was watching pretty carefully. And the way it and somebody had told me that you were kind of a quiet dude. Mm-hmm. It reminds me. You remember the movie The Mask? 
Yes. Oh, so I, I think <laughs> you stepping into that role was like, no matter who put the mask on, they'd become this super version of themselves <laughs> yeah. where like Jim Carrey's goofy and Dorian's becomes like a huge a-hole. Yeah. To me, it was like the, the mask <laughs> was put, put on and you on, were yeah. unleashed. Just, yeah. That's yeah. fun. That's what it is, man. You just put that mask on or, you know, whatever. You just go out there and you just got to become a... An animal, I don't know. Another guy who's a little bit on the quieter side is the guy next to you, Shamar Stefan. Oh, yeah. And he goes pretty quietly through getting recognition, but, I mean, Andre Patterson praises him yeah. being the run stopper. What's it like playing against that? You guys are both from New York, too. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Two New York guys. <laughs> think, think about Shamar. You know, we, we, call, we refer to Shamar as the big fundamental. Yeah. You know, Tim Duncan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like just, that. You know, just big, a, just, quiet, and just does Just a real job. quiet guy, does his job. But he does it at such a high level every single time. He's a hoops player too. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can he can play ball too. So, you know, believe it or not, he's a very swifty dude with the feet. Well, I'll say, you know, the one thing that I don't think uh, people think about a lot, it's when you guys are doing what you do, it allows the linebackers to do what they do. And Eric Hendricks is having a hell of a season, and Mm -hmm. so is Anthony Barr. But I think the fact that Linval went out and you guys stepped up and the linebackers were still able, that's a a huge credit to you guys. Is there anything, as you look at, I know we don't get to look ahead, I know we don't get to uh, we don't get to look past these games, but is there anything specific? Any game you're you're looking for? Do you like the division games? You like you got a Monday night game coming up? Not focus away from this one, but is there any anything in the second half of the season that you're really looking forward to? Uh, I'm a big fan of playing at Seattle. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was hoping you would so, say. It's loud and it's what, loud. Is that why? It's loud. Yeah, it's loud. The fans get into it. It kind of reminds reminds me of U.S. Bank. You know, oh the yeah, fan, the fans get into it. It's, it's intimidating, mm-hmm. you know. But I love it. But you love it though. You know, you go out there and you got however many that stadium fits against against us. Yeah, you know, you just love it. So and that's that's such a great that'll be such a great measuring stick. Given they have a dude who's probably the MVP and they can run it and throw it. And now you add Josh Gordon onto that team. That'll be really Is Josh Gordon. Dude, yeah, he's they there. stuck Josh. And by the way, they put him on. <laughs> yeah. They put him on. And one day later, he's like, "I'll just catch. I'll catch every important third down." It oh, was it, it was gnarly. So <laughs> you're right. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Give me uh, give me the uh, without divulging uh, anything speci- anything special. But what's the thing that's really got your focus going into this Broncos game? Uh, their offensive line is is you know those are pretty. Quick dudes, you know yeah. those guys are fast. The way they they're kind of like our O line. Yeah, they play very yeah, similarly. Yeah, very, yeah, there are a lot of similarities, but you know, um, you know, being that we go against our own guys, you know, every day, you know, um, going into this Broncos game, it'll be just like you know, in my opinion, just like practice. Yeah, you know, so it's it's really all about just just staying locked in and. You know, whatever I do in practice, just convert it to the game. So Excellent. Jaleel is an Iowa guy. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll get you out of here and we'll let you go be a human somewhere else. <laughs> but before we leave, uh, our team, the Gophers, is playing real well. Yes. And it's the mm. big. We had to touch on that. It's the big Gopher mm. Iowa one this weekend. Can, a, you, can you guys be a spoiler or what? I think we can. Actually, I know we can. You got any, <laughs> you got any friendly wagers with anybody? No. You don't? No friendly because you never know. <laughs> you never know. You don't want to turn up you on the wrong know. side of stuff. You never know. But Minnesota, they're, they're playing 
They're playing pretty good football right now. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to them. I'll tell you, it's. I think it's going to be your team is the true test because that's you can get a, you can get really hyped up and mm-hmm. beat an important team in an important moment. Mm-hmm. Can you there. can you sustain it? Exactly. Yeah. Can you sustain it? Exactly. Well, yeah. hey man, you're doing a hell of a job. You always do, but it was fun to watch you get in the game and Thank get you. the reps and and really step into that role. Thank and you. it's exciting for all the fans. And we appreciate you giving us some time, man. Yeah, appreciate Thank you. it, dude. Thank all right. you. Big thanks to Jaleel Johnson for stopping in and talking to us for a little bit. And boy, oh boy, do I hope his favorite college team gets destroyed this weekend. Uh, before, <laughs> good dude, I liked him a lot, but I hope he's sad about his favorite college team. Uh, before we get to Craig Peters here, we're going to play a little game called There Can Only Be One. It's pretty simple. It's not like, it's not, it's not anything innovative. Uh, but uh, Chris Corso has a list of pick one or the other. We're going to run through them quick, and then we'll get Craig Peters. Peters in here. Hit me with it, Chris. All right, number one. So far, who is your MVP? Is it Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks or Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens? We'll start with you, Cy. I know. Here's the thing. I know everybody thinks it's Russ. I also think it's Russ. He also won a huge game on Monday night. If Lamar continues at this pace, let's say that let's say the Patriots slip up a little bit. If Lamar continues at this pace, if he winds up breaking Vic's rushing record, if that team wins 13 games, they played a tough schedule. They beat the Patriots. You have to at least consider it. And there's a chance that Russell Wilson slides because I know you last week said the Seahawks were going to win that game, and, and they I, gave me some crap. I for called it. you a really <laughs> dumb person, and I still think I'm right. The fact George Kittle not playing on Monday night—I let the scoreboard speak for me, actually. Great, uh, George Kittle not playing. It was a great win for Russ, but George Kittle not playing was really a negative ordeal for the 49ers. And I, I excuses. It, the answer is Russ. The answer is Russ. I, I understand agree. that. But, I agree, but I think. I think Lamar, I mean, I know it was the Bengals, but good gosh. That spin move. Uh, everything. He's, he, this is the type of guy Lamar Jackson is. If it is, you know, when you have, to, you have to get a first down to run the clock out, right? It can be third and eight. I've watched him do this in a game. Third and eight, where you're always saying, well, we're going to get the ball back because no running back's going for eight on us with the game on the line. He gets the eight. It, he is... A monumentally bizarre threat. Who are you taking, Jay? Uh, my whole thing on this one is I got to go Russell Wilson. There's one reason why. Lamar Jackson right now for me feels like the same thing that I saw in their very first season at the helm for Colin Kaepernick, RG3, Dak Prescott, his first season, all of these different players who had the legs and everything. And then all of a sudden when defenses started scheming, taking that away. I know it's harder with Lamar Jackson because he's making these ridiculous spin moves and those kind I of things. I would argue they're starting to scheme, man. But There's... that's that's my point is that he might be the next Patrick Mahomes and have that kind of career at this point. But I think Russell we're Wilson. Not, we're not there yet. Yeah, that's the thing. Moving forward to number two, we know what Kirk Cousins' answer is to this. What do you like better? Pick one: indoor games or outdoor games? We're not we're not spending time on this. It's indoor games. What it's, like duh, all these duh. like all these seventy? Like I remember when we were building the stadium, they're like football's meant to be played outside. I was I, here. I like TCF having was nipples that don't fall off <laughs> my body. Indoor football. In, here's it. Indoor football. I love a good outdoor game. 
in Los Angeles or Miami or a place where it's really nice to be outside. I have, it could be 60 degrees out and I'm like, ah, I wish this was indoors. I'm a, I'm a weakling. I'm a weak, weak man. Football indoors. Jay, are you a little more old school? Nope, I'm indoor guy. And the reason why is because I like to have the controlled elements where you know that the elements aren't the excuse that you can use when you lose. I love it. Yeah. Both both teams have perfect conditions, and that's how it goes. You can't play in Lambo. Well, no one can. It's a horrible, horrible, cold, <laughs> awful environment. Number three, better primetime games. The Sunday night game that the Vikings just won or playing on Monday night football, which the Vikings will do when they play the Seahawks in a few weeks. I remember as a kid, uh, Monday night was everything. And I don't know how this happened, but the better, in my opinion, the broadcast team I like better is on Sunday night. The games I like better. It's almost like when Monday night football went to ESPN, they were like, well... The other one's better, and it just the whole focus has shifted. So I and I think as I get older, I'm more prone to love one full day of football. And I, you know, you work, you're a human being, you have a life and a family. It's not quite as easy to catch that Monday night game every week. I agree. I love Sunday. I, I don't love how we're agreeing so much, but oh, I'll ruin I, it. <laughs> I love Sunday night football. I think by Monday, I'm kind of like looking forward to the next week already. Yeah. Um, especially when we play on Sunday, and there's another teams teams that play. I don't really, Monday night, I'm kind of over it at that point. Sunday night football for me is a capstone to the entire day from yep. the noon games and the three o'clock. And Collinsworth and Michaels are amazing. As yeah, far they're as the broadcast really, goes. really, really good. I love Sunday night football. All right, the next one is best Vikings jerseys, the modern ones or the throwbacks? No opinion. I like them both. What do you think, Jay? I'm a throwback guy. I like the old ones from when I was a kid. I like the throwbacks with the throwback helmets. They're amazing. I agree. The throwbacks, Jay, I'm with you. Well, then I'm going to go modern. I'm going modern. I don't like either of you guys right now. And We we had an off-air argument. That's not true, but I just want to cut you two down. (laughs) And so I'm going to go with current. This will be the last one for Chris keeps challenging me. This will be the last one. Better play with one second remaining. A Hail Mary or a fourth and goal. Now, are you talking about as a fan to watch? Yes. Like, not which one do you want your team to do? No. As a fan. As a fan. Fourth and goal. That's I, It's hard to get in sports. You have the fourth and goal with the game on the line. You have the two outs down by one, one runner on in, the, in, in baseball, and you have the... Tie game. Tie game, guy with the ball, clock ticking away in basketball. So to me, that is the height of everything that is competitive sports. For me, I almost feel like the Hail Mary is kind of the get out of jail card. It's a prayer. That they just, you know, they chuck it. But here's the thing. When you hit it as a fan and it's your team, you're jumping out of your seat going, oh my gosh, I can't believe we got this. When the other team gets it, you're throwing something across the room, swearing as much as you can. I think the high of the Hail Mary is so freaking high that I like the Hail Mary. <laughs> like, I don't count the Minneapolis miracle as a Hail Mary exactly, but, like, God, that answered my prayer. And I remember being in the press box and Brian Harper, our vice president, jumping over the fr- – jumping <laughs> over – you were there. I caught him in midair coming <laughs> off of a chair trying not to break goal. his neck. <laughs> that, that, yeah. doesn't, that happens on a prayer of a play, so that's why I'll go with Hail Mary. <laughs> That'll do it for right. the one and the – you can only There can only one. be one. Great we, segment by Jay Nelson. Yes, thank you so much, Jay. And now let us bring in Craig Peters, talk about one of his articles, and break down the Broncos game. All right, now we're joined in studio by Craig Peters from Vikings.com. His 
rarely used Twitter account is at P. Craggers. I, I asked him what his Twitter account was. He's like, I don't, it's not really. You sounded like a dad with a Twitter account is exactly what you <laughs> well, sounded I am like. a dad with a Twitter account. <laughs> well, you should, you should. He's the dad of Vikings.com. Yeah, he is, he is the Vikings.com. You should be using it to promote. I want to talk Broncos with you. Sure. But real quick before we do that, I want to point out to everybody listening that you have a really cool piece up right now uh, about Dan Bailey and not about him kicking the football specifically about uh, the interesting sort of guy he is. Yeah, uh, long-established veteran, great guy, uh, so mild-mannered, really on the quiet side of things, um, laser-like focus. Uh, he is actually 999 career points right now heading into the Broncos game. Almost broke a thousand against his former team on Sunday. That'd have been night. fun, wouldn't it have been? We really needed that two point conversion. Though, thing, so. I, I was going to say, I am happy that he was not kicking a field goal to break it and win. I, it would have been a nice story, but let's. I'm cool with the four point win. <laughs> yeah, he can break a thousand anytime. He's got a bunch of weird hobbies, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, just one that's uh, an advanced level of hobbying, I guess. Um, he grew up. His grandfather was in the uh, Navy. Took him to air shows as a kid. Really sparked this interest in aviation. So he now has his own uh, pilot's license, a, uh, a plane that he bought. Um, it doesn't have AC, so it's not a luxury jet or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. So, it's one of those planes that uh, you, I would never get in in a million years. <laughs> one, of the, one of those small ones where you're like freaking out when you're walking up. My Uncle Craig was a pilot for years, and he flew his own little plane that he built, and then he crashed it in a field, and I was like, yeah, Craig, that's because your plane looked like a toy. What are you doing, man? <laughs> But so you kind of that's and that's uh, you you break that whole thing down. Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting. He found hangar space and uh, has kind of made friends with a group of military veterans in the oh, Dallas cool. area. And so they they go up, they fly in formations. They'll oh, just fun. you know have in the in the off season they'll go out and fly an hour or two hours away to just go have breakfast somewhere that you know. And just, oh, it's cool. Just, kickers are always super um, distinct. Usually, some yeah. some are more over the top than others, but um, he's more on the quiet side, but then that's counterbalanced by Britton Colquitt, who is over the top. I was just going to say, I I think what I, uh, I think I was combining two pieces that are up right now when I said weird hobbies, because our punter, yeah. the other side of that special teams duo, he's got some interesting stuff going oh, yeah. on. Yeah, and uh, colleague Lindsey Young wrote about that, um, so he's kind of uh, started this menagerie of uh, toys that he keeps in his locker. So totally. There's, there's a, a Gonzo, there's an Oklahoma State Cowboy uh, Nutcracker in, in Dan Bailey's honor. This all <laughs> started in the yep. Broncos locker room, or actually when he and uh, his former long snapper Aaron Brewer were both released in uh, 2016. Uh, there's a plush toy that plays, I believe, the Air Force fight song that's Austin Cutting now. So it's it's like he just the has a locker that looks and, like Sanford and Son's living room. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's impossible to miss. It's the most distinct locker. I've ever seen. <laughs> so Lindsey Young wrote the Colquitt piece. It's up yeah. now on Vikings.com. You it wrote is. the Bailey piece. It's up on Vikings.com. Yep. They're both fantastic. As soon as you finish this podcast, uh, go give them a read. And now I want to force you to help us uh, discuss the Broncos game, if okay, you're cool with let's, that. Okay, let's go for it. Oh, I th- it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I'm, I'm personally, I don't know that happy is the right word, but 
I love that there's a buy in between the Broncos and the Seahawks because I think the Cowboys was a really tough game and the Broncos is going to be a difficult game, make no mistake, and we'll get into that. But just from a visual standpoint, when you look at on the schedule and you look at, at records, that can look like a dip in between two really big games. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they can focus on this one knowing they're going into the bye week, to me that feels like a positive. Yeah, you always worry about coming off a very emotional win, a little bit of letdown against uh, if, if you do a little bit of record watching. But the first message that Coach Zimmer conveyed in his talk with media was this team is better than the record and uh, players followed suit. Kirk said it is the best defense that the Vikings feel like they've faced to this point in the season. Fourth best passing defense in the league. It's a really, really good passing defense. And then uh, Chris and I were talking about off-air before the show. You think, oh, we get to face a young quarterback that's never played before, but that's not always an ideal situation. Yeah, talking to Coach Zimmer and talking to uh, his son and linebackers coach Adam Zimmer, these guys hate playing rookie quarterbacks. I know you know this, Craig. Um, Every football coach out there, you think they would love playing rookie quarterbacks, especially these defensive guys. They don't because they don't have any footage. They have one game of NFL footage on this guy, and it was a good game against the Cleveland Browns where he led the team to a victory. So um, you're facing a young quarterback who comes in, and it's not the Joe Flacco, which you would have years and years of tape on him. We saw what happened in that Buffalo Bills game. and that's, Shut that's your mouth, year. Corso. It's not going to happen again. I don't care that they have the same last name <laughs> <laughs> shut your mouth. But that that you're right. That is the worry. The worry yes. always is you never know what a guy that you've never seen can do. I will add on to what you were saying, Craig, about the defense. I, I think the initial instinct is when you see, oh, they're the fourth best passing defense, but they've they've given up an 80-yard run to Fournette and a 46-yard run to Patterson's. I would caution everybody to understand there's a guy in Denver that doesn't get a lot of press because Denver hasn't been great for a while now. His name is Mike Purcell. He is in the middle of their line, and he is an absolute monster. This dude has like I think ten run stuffs on the year. He attack he at the point of attack he dominates and uh, it'll be really really interesting to see how our the interior of our line that has been tested often this year. It'll be interesting to see how they respond. Lucky for us, as I argue my own uh, worry. Uh, we got a guy who's pretty damn good at running to the outside. Yeah, yeah. I think getting to the perimeter is very important in this game. There, was, there might be even a little bit of overlap between what the Bears try to do with really gum up the middle with big bodies, and that didn't work out so well. Yeah. In week four, and they, and it's uh, they, they have and the it's perimeter. not just Purcell. I think yeah. you're exactly right. They have a bunch of big, beefy, strong dudes, and this is this is a you know what's a positive for that. We have the offensive coaching staff that went against them for all these years in practice in Kubiak, Clint Kubiak, his son. Um, and, and we have their tight ends coach, um, Brian Periani. So a lot of the coaches that came over from the Denver Broncos, they're going against guys they're pretty familiar with and Von Miller and, and Chris Harris as a cornerback. So yeah. a lot of these players, they've practiced against a lot of times. So that's, that's a good thing. That's a really good point. And then you throw in that Fangio has played against us a bunch of times. It's a, it's a really weird, incestual matchup of coaches <laughs> who know each other. I, I, I 
personally, and this is maybe me being dramatic, we know that this team has struggled against the Chicago Bears for the last few years, and specifically the last year and a half. And it seems like we've struggled in a very specific way. To me, this is an awesome opportunity because Vic Fangio is going to try to beat you the way he's beaten you with the Bears. He uses Vaughn Miller like Khalil Mack. And we are going to have a big... I don't care if the Bears don't win another game all season until we face them. That is going to be a hell of a challenge for this team given the matchup. So I like that they have a similar a similar set of personnel in terms of size, and I like that they're going to take a similar approach because it gives us a chance to go out and beat it in a different way than we. You know, I would I would just in that game I would love to see some attacking. I would love to see some aggression. Yeah, I think so, and and get the ball out to the playmakers too. Yeah, and get I, it out and get going. That's exactly right. So I I, I love that idea. Um, I mean, Denver's allowed 15 total touchdowns in in nine games. Six rushing, seven passing, two returns. Yeah. So I mean, they're they're stingy. You know, you get so used to. We're gonna put some points up. We're gonna have to yep. put some points up. Um, that was all of October, and now this game is more of like kind of the early Zimmer years, like his first couple of seasons here, where the the fall line was like score twenty one, and you almost always win with yep. Zimmer. And now Absolutely. we've kind of uh, created a fabric where we can. Uh, win some higher scoring games too. And I, and that's what I'm super curious to see as a guy who knows and would never claim to know anything about how to game plan anything. Let's be very clear about that. But what I what I'm curious is you hit it on the head. Zimmer has built that defense and built this team to do that. But now you do have the other side of the ball and now you are playing a defensive coach. I would love to see Zimmer do what he does, but on the offensive side of the ball be like, "You know what? This isn't your old Vikings, man. This isn't the this we don't have to grind out 17 against you. We can put up 28. We can put up 35. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. Well, yeah. every game that the Vikings have played at home this year has been a pretty dominating win so far, and it's it's really really good. <laughs> the Vikings are only one of two teams to win all their home games this year. So, and them then, and the New England Patriots. And and something to look forward to to the second half of the season. Three is, division games at home. Yeah, but more importantly, Jay was telling me before the show, there's a we've we played more on the road than anybody in the league, right? Yeah, we've had six road games so far this season. We're the only team in the league that's played six road games so far. So, you look at you look at this week. This week to me is such a monumental opportunity with the bye coming up because you most likely I, hamstrings always make me nervous, so I'm not counting on a Thielen return at any specific time. But you most likely can get some of your other guys healthy and back, and you're going to cruise into a bunch of home games at the end of the season. It, it, it's a pretty big one, and one that I don't, you know, some of these games are traps. I don't see that right here. Mm-hmm. I, I, the team seems pretty focused. I, th- I think you hit it right on with having the buy on the tail, tail end of this. And then also... If you know going into it that this is not saying we know Adam Thielen's injury status or or his designation for the game, but if you go in like this past week knowing that you're not likely going to have him, you can scheme up some other things. Loved all the screens to Dalvin. He's so explosive after the catch. It's almost free money. And I'll throw one more thing in to cap this thing off. I know we're not a cute football team. I know we don't like to be fancy, but when you've seen a guy like Fangio a whole bunch of times and he really knows you, oh, God. I would love to see some tricky stuff. 
I would like just once. If you're an NFL team that doesn't do a lot of trick plays, you're like, no, you don't have a Philly special. Not, but you go, I respect that. But I would love, I would love to try to catch him off guard with the flea flicker. I'm a big flea flicker guy. <laughs> that might be my dumbest take of the show, but man, I would love to catch him off guard with something that he's not ready for. Well, huge thank you uh, to Craig Peters. Again, like I said, his fantastic piece on Dan Bailey is up on Vikings.com, as is Lindsey Young's on Colquitt. Uh, just a quick programming note, Under Center with Kirk Cousins uh, is on our app right now, is on the iHeartRap app, it's on the Vikings.com app, you can hear it on KFan, uh, Skull Stories, this week the guest is Scott Studwell, and it's and we threw Pete Bursich in there because, uh, you know, let's get some giant linebackers talking yeah. to each other about linebackers. You know how uncool, like... Uh, have you ever felt like you're not a man at all? Just stand next to Scott Studwell and Pete Bursage. Like, okay, cut my hair, go home. Got it. Okay, got it. Uh, and then Vikings final prep will be on the app on Friday, Friday evening, and it'll air on KFan six thirty to seven p.m. Last thing I want to say before we leave, I want to know what's the one thing you're looking forward to the most. What's the thing that you're? What's the performance that you're hoping for this weekend specifically? I you want got to any? I want to score points early. That when when we score points early at home, it ends up pretty good most of the time for the Vikings, and I think that's going to happen in this game. Let's score early, get out in front. P. Craigers, I would love to see all these guys that um, had some of their first major moments in their careers at Denver. So like uh, Stephon Diggs made his very first uh, that's right. debut, six catches, eighty-seven yards back in Denver. It's just kind of fun to see how those guys that were rookies all come come full circle. But most of all, I would love for Daniil Hunter to go ahead and get 1.5 sacks so he can be the fastest to 50. In, in the history, in, in the history, in of, the the history of the NFL. If yeah. he gets it, the youngest, he'd be yeah, the youngest, youngest the yes, least amount of days 50. Yes. as a human man to get yes. to 50. Jay, what are you He's definitely for? a man. <laughs> what I want to see is I want to see if our offense can take the next step and go against a very stout defense and start to light up some points. I love if it. If that's the case... Last week, my whole thing with, with Dallas was get out on them early and that, let them try to have to beat your defense. Yep. This week, I want to see us race mm-hmm. away from Denver and say you're not going to catch us. That's my goal this week to watch. I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. and I, I My thing I'm looking for is just the continued progression of Kirk playing. Uh, I, I think this is quietly a bigger challenge than the last two weeks. Everybody wants to talk about prime time and outdoors, and Dallas had a fine defense, and, and the Chiefs didn't have much of one. Uh, but to me... Kirk against a good defense. Kirk against the Bears style of defense has not been kind to him. And I think he's more comfortable than he was in the beginning of the season. I think he's mm-hmm. more comfortable than he was last season. I think things are clicking. So to me, as as pumped as everybody was, like he won the game that people said he couldn't. To me, this is the game that I would love to see Kirk thrive in. So that's what I'm looking for and hoping for. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll be back with another episode next week. And listen to all the stuff on the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings Podcast Network, which you can get anywhere, right, Jay? iTunes, Apple, uh, Google Play, iHeart, Google Play Podcasts, anywhere you get stuff. Uh, for Chris Corso, Jay Nelson, and P. Craggers, we'll see you guys next week.